0: right, guys, we are back with our teaching in the book of Genesis. Now, the last time we were here, we were dealing with chapter 20 in Abraham's lack of faith when he sojourned in the land of Gerar, and there he met the Philistine king, or it would become, Gerar would become later on the land of the Philistines. He met that particular king, Abimelech, and he lied that Sarah was his sister, and in doing so, We know Abimelech took Sarah to be his wife, but he didn't have sexual relationship with her. But Abraham endangered the promise of God. Now, if you can recall, God had already appeared to Abraham in chapters 17 and 18, and he told Abraham that within a year's time, he would have the promised child. And so by the time Abraham is in the land of Gerar, under the Philistine king, Abimelech, uh, Sarah is either pregnant and not showing or hadn't quite gotten pregnant yet. So only a short amount of time has passed when God had actually appeared to Abraham and Sarah had not yet had the child, therefore endangering the promises of God. So what did God have to do? He had to rescue Abraham and deliver him from Abimelech but nevertheless, there was a distinct a difference that we have to remember, too, because this will also uh, play a role as we look into today's chapter. When Abimelech sent Sarah back, unlike Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, Pharaoh ejected Abraham from his land. But the king of Gerar allowed Abraham to remain and he remained there for a long time even up until clearly the birth of Isaac as we will see in chapter 21 today all right but the issue was it was a lack of faith for Abraham he had a lapse of faith now let's get ready to go into chapter number 21 where God finally fulfills his promises to Abraham all right chapter 21 then the Lord took note of Sarah as he had said and the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised So Sarah conceived and bore son to Abraham in his old age at the appointed time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. All right, so let's talk about that. Now, I may, most likely I'm gonna cover a, a lot more verses and it's not necessary to get into a deep dive into any type of exegetical discourse in the verses whatsoever, because for the most part is narrative. That is, it's basically like a story. All right. And so what we have here is the fulfillment of the promise of God. And once again, chapter 17 and 18, the promise that God had made to Abraham to visit when it says to visit, that means God did the thing that he said he would do. So when you say God took note of Sarah, that's actually God visited Sarah. Okay, but the point is all that God had promised that he would do in giving a son to Sarah at the appointed time, God has fulfilled and kept his word. So what we what we see being established with Abraham, even with Sarah over all of this long period of time, what God is showing them is the faithfulness of God. Now, this will become this concept, this idea of God's absolute faithfulness. That is, you can depend on God. If God makes a promise, if God tells you something, God will always keep his promises no matter what. Now, the reason why I'm stressing this is because that will become exceptionally important when we get into the next chapter, okay? But we're not gonna be premature in discussing that. We just wanna bring in that particular point. God did what he said when he said, establishing what? The faithfulness of God. All right, and so Abraham in verse number three named his son in accordance to what God had already told him, named him Isaac, and the name Isaac simply means laughter, and we'll we'll notice that the name Isaac, laughter, this will be a word play for the most part uh, all throughout this particular chapter until you get to the very end of it, that is. But for the first two sections of this chapter, we're going to see Isaac's name, we're going to see a lot of word play taking place with the name and i'll try to bring those wordplay issues out as we get to it and notice again there is the emphasis whom sarah had born to the lord okay had born to I, i'm sorry abraham whom sarah had given to him in his old age so also too that would be a distinguishing point too as we move later on in this chapter in relationship to the difference between the son that Hagar, the Egyptian handmaiden, had born to Abraham and Isaac, the son that Abraham's wife had born to Abraham. So one is the son of works. When I say the son of works, that is the son of machination. Machination means simply this. Abraham and Sarah devised a plan to have a child. That's how Ishmael, the son of Hagar and Abraham, that's how Ishmael was born through the devising of the plan of Abraham. That's why we call it of works, of works. And these things pertain to the issue of salvation It's a principle. And you'll hear me say that many times the principle of salvation. Okay. Now the son of Sarah and Abraham is always referred to as the son of promise. So why? Because God promised Isaac to Abraham and Sarah, and this could only be achieved by the work of God. So therefore Isaac is a son of promise or Isaac is the son of Faith, And so when we think about it, remember what I just said about the principle of works and how, how all of this pertains to salvation. You'll see that talked about by Paul in the book of Romans as well as in the book of Galatians. But the point that I'm stressing simply is this. The whole issue is by the activity of Abraham, by what he tried to do, he could not accomplish the promises of God. So therefore we will see later on in this chapter, that son will be rejected by God. Now, rejected does not mean that God didn't want to have anything to do. It just simply means that this son will not be the one through whom God will fulfill his promises. Or in other words, through whom God will ultimately use to bring about the Jewish people, to bring about the coming Messiah. And that's what we mean when we say the promised son or the promised seed. So the point God chose, I'm sorry, let me say it this way. Through the works of Abraham and Sarah, the birth of Ishmael. All right. The reason why he is rejected. He is the son of works. He is the son Galatians 4. he is the son of the flesh. Then we look at Isaac, the son of the promise. This fulfills the principle of salvation. In other words, there is nothing that we can do to save ourselves. Salvation is the work of God from start to finish. Our involvement is to respond to that gracious gift of salvation. There is nothing we can do To earn the salvation, we respond to that gift. How do we respond? And when I say respond, I think sometimes people don't understand what that means. Respond simply means to live a certain way. Or in other words, we just simply say you live right. You don't get, you don't live right to get saved. You live right or you are obedient to the commandments of God because you already are saved. You have been saved. That's Ephesians 2 and 8. For by grace, you have been saved. You are saved already. It is a continuing work of God. We respond to it with loving obedience. That's also Romans 12, 1 and 2. Okay, but enough of that. I went way off on a tangent that time, didn't I? Verse number four. So let's recap that part. So God was faithful to fulfill his promises. All right. And that's the first one through three. Then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Now Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children yet I have borne him a son in his old age the child grew and was winged and Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was winged all right so we find in that verse number 4 according to the covenant that God had made made with Abraham and that was the covenant of circumcision in chapter 17 Isaac is the first son to be circumcised when he was eight days old. All right. And then we see that Sarah's reaction again. Remember I talked about earlier about that wordplay with the name Isaac. His name means laughter. Notice we see that wordplay coming in verse number six when Sarah says God has made laughter for me. That's the wordplay with his name. And then she says, and everyone else will laugh with me. That is the idea of rejoice with me. And that's another uh, word play with the name laughter. But again, too, something that's interesting to see that we're going to talk about in the next section was Sarah's presumption here was incorrect. Everyone was not rejoicing with her because we're going to find out that there is still hostility that exists between and, and clearly that's between Hagar, that is Ishmael's mother, as well as Hagar's son, Ishmael himself. And so everybody is not rejoicing at the birth of Isaac and Abraham's son in his old age. But nevertheless, we'll get to that bridge when we cross it. OK, so the point is we see rejoicing. And verse number eight ends with the fact that there's a passage of time from the birth Of Isaac until the point they said he's weaned. And so uh, Jewish babies were generally weaned anywhere from about three to five years of age. Three to five years of age at that time. And so instead of celebrating birthdays, they would have a weaning day. (laughs) And so Abraham had a big feast celebration for his son by the time that he, that is Isaac, when he was weaned again, about three to five years of age. Now, what's important for us to remember is Abraham had Isaac at a hundred years old. That would make Ishmael anywhere from roughly around to just add three to basically five years of age to that particular number, roughly about, we're just going to give a broad number. okay? 17 to 21, that's just giving a lot of space. So in other words, Ishmael is not a little boy at the time of the weaning festival that Abraham has thrown for him. And cause this is the section that we're about to move into. Ishmael is a a young man at this particular time, okay? He's well into his teenage years, probably about 20 to 21 years of age, all right? And with that understanding, now let us move into the next section where we talked about Sarah's presumption being made false. Verse number nine, now Sarah saw the son of Hagar the Egyptian, whom she had born to Abraham mocking, Therefore she said to Abraham, drive out this maid and her son, for the son of this maid shall not be an heir with my son Isaac. The matter distressed Abraham greatly because of his son. But God said to Abraham, do not be distressed because of the lad and your maid. Whatever Sarah tells you, listen to her, for through Isaac, your descendants shall be named. Okay, let's just stop there and I'll come back and talk about the rest. So at this weaning feast, it says that Sarah saw Ishmael and notice she doesn't use the name Ishmael. So we can see uh, 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 she really is, doesn't like what has taken place. So she refers to him as the son of Hagar, not even by his name, but nevertheless, she saw him mocking. Now this word mocking, is comes from the same root of the name Isaac. So there's another word play with the name Isaac, but this time there is a negative connotation by the the use of mocking. So instead of laughing with or celebrating along with Abraham and Sarah, there is a jesting that is coming from Ishmael. And we find out that The Apostle Paul tells us in the book of Galatians that he was actually persecuting Isaac. Now, what you have to remember, and this is why I spent so much time trying to get you to understand the age, Isaac is approximately three to five years old. He's just a little boy. Ishmael is basically a young man. So here we have Isaac uh, uh, being persecuted by the much older Ishmael. Now, and so the issue becomes about the inheritance. So in the mind of Sarah, you can understand that a mother is going to be protective of her child in the first place. But not only that, the issue also comes about as with with respect to inheritance. Okay. So clearly Ishmael is the oldest of all Abraham's son. He is the firstborn son, even though he is not the son of promise, he is the one that is born first. So that's number one. Number two, there has always been this antagonism and hostility between Sarah and Hagar that seems to have to have been continued even to this time and the hostility. I don't know how much about with respect to uh, Sarah towards Hagar, but it seems clearly to being implied that there is hostility, even resentment, even though it's not directly stated or overtly acted upon hostility between Hagar and Sarah because Hagar has seemingly taught this same hostility to her son, Ishmael and Ishmael is acting it out with Sarah's son. So in other words, the, 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 act how he's acting like his mama feels. That's what I'm trying to say. Okay. And so now what what Sarah is doing is she knows that Ishmael is a big boy. Can I say it like that, guys? He's basically a grown man. There is no way that Isaac will be able to defend himself against Ishmael, if something would happen between to Abraham and Sarah, in other words, if something, if Abraham dies, if Sarah dies and every, and you, now you got the two sons, Ishmael, and then you have Isaac and Ishmael is so much older. And so, you know, he's going to be, you know, Imagine all the things that happen. He's more familiar. The people may even like him and all of these things like that. And so Isaac is saying that I'm the son of promise. But if it actually comes down to an issue between the two, who do you really think would come out on top? Who you think would actually become the inheritor of Abraham's estate? That is from the Lord. Because remember, God had said that in Isaac, this is what we mean by in Isaac, shall your seed be called. That's a part of that. The inheritance should go to Isaac. The name should go to Isaac. Okay. But still, but I'm dealing with the issue of Sarah's feelings at this particular, um, can I say banquet guys at this particular time? And so that's why Sarah said, put her, put Hagar and her son drive them out because she was simply trying to protect her son, Isaac and his inheritance because she knew there would be no way he could stand against Ishmael. Okay. And with all of that, so, and quite naturally because Ishmael is also Abraham's son, it it upset him. It upset him. And notice it said, it, it distressed him greatly because that's his son, So now once again, God has to intervene in the situation. But remember the last time that Sarah made a suggestion that was in chapter 16 to Abraham about Hagar, it ended up with trouble. That is the birth of Ishmael. That's the trouble that they have now. But this time when Sarah intervenes, God will say, Ah, but this time she did the right thing. So now let's look into God's response in this particular situation. Verse 12, but God said to Abraham, do not be distressed because of the lad and your maid. Whatever Sarah tells you, listen to her for through Isaac, your descendants shall be named and of the son of the maid, I will make a nation also because he is your Descending. So the response of God was simply Abraham don't be upset and this is the first time we see in the Bible where God actually tells the husband to obey the wife. This is not the principle between the relationship of husband and wife but God said on this occasion do so because it is in the divine plan. In other words, that is God's will, that there should be a separation between the two boys so that there would not be any argument over the inheritance. Or in other words, notice what God said, in Isaac shall your seed be called. Isaac is the chosen son. Again, the son of promise, the one whom God has brought into the world through his own actions. Okay. Remember, Isaac's birth is a supernatural birth. And so by supernatural means Abraham is old and Sarah is old. They were both well beyond years of bringing forth children into the world. That's what we mean by supernatural. Okay. All right. So he is the son of promise. He is the one that God has chosen. And also too, but and that you'll understand it in Isaac, shall your seed be called the family of Abraham will come from for the Jewish people. That is from this, the seed line, of Isaac, the family of the Jewish people do not come from the seed line of Ishmael. The Arabs come from Ishmael. The Jews are descended of Abraham, then Isaac, then Jacob. There's a certain issue that we have to look at in that. And so from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob. So Isaac is to mourn the seed through whom the Jewish people should come and in particular through whom the Messiah should come. That is Jesus himself. Okay? All right. The response of Abraham. And, and also, too, we see the promise of God. And when God told Abraham to send him away, that he would not be distressed because God also promised, because he was also Abraham's son, he would also make a great nation from Ishmael as well. Abraham's response now. So Abraham arose early in the morning and took bread and skin of water and gave them to Hagar putting them on her shoulder and gave her the boy and sent her away and she departed and wandered about in the wilderness of Beersheba when the water in the skin was used up she left the boy under one of the bushes then she went and sat down opposite him about a bowshot away for she said do not let me see the boy die and she sat opposite him and lifted up her voice and wept. God heard the lad crying and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, what is it the matter with you, Hagar? Do not fear, for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up the lad, hold him by the hand, for I will make a great nation of him. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water, And she went and filled the skin with water and gave the lad a drink. God was with the lad and he grew and he lived in the wilderness and became an archer. He lived in the wilderness of Paran and his mother took a wife for him him from the land of Egypt. Okay. So now, we see Abraham acts in faith. He trusts God. He believes God. What does he do? He gets up early in the morning. And we will also see that same idea uh, being presented in the next chapter when God tests Abraham's faith once again. But nevertheless, he responds early in morning. He gives Abraham. Now the provisions that he gives Hagar, the bread and the water, is enough to take her to the next oasis. Okay? So there's nothing wrong. There's not, he doesn't give her scanty provisions. He gives her sufficient provisions enough. And then he sends her away and it uses a different verb tense. Instead of using that peel form, I believe that's the peel, which is an intensive, form of the verb that Sarah used cast them out. Abraham did not cast her out. He just sent her away. So we see a sense of politeness and we all, and you can understand it too. He didn't want to, he didn't want to send his son away, but in obedience to God, he sent him as well as Hagar away. But nevertheless, he gave her enough, to go to the next Oasis. But the problem was she got lost. Notice it says she departed and wondered. She got lost in the desert. And so when she did quite naturally, she drank up all of her water. She used up all of her provisions. And so now uh, uh, her son Ishmael is the first to begin to waste away. So she places him under a bush as he's beginning to die, beginning to perish, and she doesn't want to see him die. So she goes and says about the distance that you shoot a bow. That's what I mean by a cast of a bow. She walked the space. Of, if you take a bow and shoot it in the air, she walked that distance because she did not want to watch the child die. But it is at that particular time that she is crying out. to, She is crying. And also the Bible says that Ishmael is also weeping, no doubt, because of what is going on as well. That the angel of God begins to speak with her once again and asks her what's the matter. And what God does is he tells her that there is a well of water nearby. It doesn't say that he created the well, she just didn't know that she was actually near a well of water. And so God pointed it out to her, opened her eyes that's what that part means and says, There's a well of water nearby take water for the boy and give it to him. And so basically that's what she did. And so when she did that, uh, uh, quite naturally her soul was refreshed and the Bible said that God was with the lad. That simply means that God was with Ishmael remembering the promise that he made to Abraham. Remember, I will be with him and make a great nation of him because he is your son. So God's presence was with Ishmael with regard to that. And as far as occupation, we see Ishmael became a great archer. And also too, which seems to indicate that resentment between uh, Hagar that she had towards Sarah, and it seemed that it, be, it, it became a resentment towards the Jewish people. But, and I can, I guess I can see that too in a human sense. When she got ready to take a wife for her son, Ishmael, she didn't take it from Abraham. She didn't send it back to him. She went to her own people. She took a wife of the Egyptians and therefore she got Ishmael a wife. All right. All right. Now let's finish this final section. Uh, in verse 22. Okay. Now, let me give you a little spiritual cover to give you an understanding of what's going on here. If, as we walk through the life of Abraham, when he had first come, that's Genesis chapter 12, come into the land of promise. And then he went down into the land of Egypt for a while. He was enriched there and he became a very rich man. We see that in chapter 13. And then we see once again, he went down into the land of Gera in his dealing with Abimelech and he became an either even wealthier man. And so what we can see with Abraham is Abraham has grown in great wealth, material wealth. Now we see the promise of God and Abraham having a son now being fulfilled. So we see, the picture that is being set for Abraham is a sense of completeness, one of wealth, and one of a great sheikh I and mean, when I mean sheik is a great tribal chieftain in the land. Remember, Abraham is still in the land of Gorah, in the land of the Philistines. So now the picture of Abraham is that he is a great and powerful chieftain. And so therefore, we can see. How God has fulfilled his promise to Abraham in that he has blessed Abraham. That's the Genesis chapter 12. When God promises to bless Abraham, that fulfillment is pretty much coming to pass. And how God promises to make his name great, that is becoming, is coming to pass. And that how God has promised to give him a seed and to build a nation. And that is beginning to come up. So the greatness of Abraham, that's what I'm trying to say, is clearly beginning to come to pass and it has been noticed by Abimelech. Okay. And so that's what prepares us for this next section. So now let's just simply move into that as Abraham is still in Gerar. Remember, Abimelech allowed him to stay in the land and Abimelech has now been able to see how God has prospered him. But let's just get into the text. 22. Now it came about at that time that Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, spoke to Abraham saying, God is with you in all that you do. Now, therefore, swear to me here by word, I'm sorry, swear to me here by God that you will not deal falsely with me or with my offspring or with my posterity. But according to the kindness that I have shown to you, you shall show to me and to the land which you have so joined. Abraham said, I swear it. Okay, so now with all of that, remember that what I was just saying, Abraham being a great chieftain, it has now gotten the attention clearly of. Abimelech, and so this is it, and also, too, is the issue of security. We can see that that principle is being established here, too, in the text. The security of Abraham, which will be a continual issue for the Jewish people, even today. The idea of security and remaining or abiding in the land, abiding in the land in a state in a blessed state. And so that's the whole issue that we're looking forward to in the establishment of the kingdom. And this will only be done by Jesus. I really went on a tangent with that guy and I think you guys may not understand it, but nevertheless, that's the spiritual principle that's being established all throughout the scriptures. It is the hope of the Jewish people, the hope, that can only be done, fulfilled through Jesus the Messiah. He is the only one can give them this security in the land of promise in Israel. That's all I was trying to say about that, okay? But nevertheless, that's the principle that we see here with Abraham. The attention of Abimelech is now gotten. Now, but you got to remember in chapter 20, the last time that we had uh, a dealing Abraham dealt with, Abimelech, he deceived him. So therefore we can see Abimelech does not trust Abraham and that's not a good picture right here. So as, uh, Abimelech, refers to Abraham's deception. And therefore he says to Abraham, make a covenant with me. I don't really trust you. So therefore swear to me. And that word swear also is a key idea or concept in this particular section, the swearing. All right. But nevertheless, so he comes with this guy, Fico. Phicol is nothing more than a name. Just like Abimelech is not the name of the king of Gerar, it's a title. Phicol is also simply a title for the commander of his army. So he was uh, um, with him, with Abimelech, and so he noticed how God had prospered Abraham. That's another thing. Remember how God said to Abraham, "I will bless you." Right? And Abimelech clearly wants to be—he wants a part of this blessing, this association of being blessed with Abraham as well as probably no doubt an issue of security by, by virtue of establishing a covenant with Abraham. But nevertheless, so he made him swear, all right, that he would always deal right with him, with his offspring or with his posterity. And Abraham made an oath with Abimelech. Verse 25, now there also was an occasion There was a a reversal of the occasion. Remember, it was in chapter 20 that Abimelech uh, 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 upbraided Abraham because of his deception. Now we're going to see Abraham upbraid Abimelech on this occasion. But Abraham complained to Abimelech because of the well of water which the servants of Abimelech had seized. And, And Abimelech said, I do not know what, what has done this thing. I'm sorry, I do not know who has done this thing. You did not tell me nor did I hear of it until today. Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them to Abimelech and the two of them made a covenant. Then Abraham set seven oolams of the flock by themselves. Abimelech said to Abraham, what do these seven oolams mean? which you have set by themselves. He said, you shall take these seven E lambs from my hand so that it may be a witness to me that I dug this well. Therefore he called the name of that place Beersheba because there the two of them took an oath. So they made a covenant at Beersheba and Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, arose and returned to the land of the Philistines. All right, so now let's finish this issue of Abimelech and Abraham. So Abraham now brings to Abimelech's attention that there has been a disagreement between the servants of Abraham and the servants of Abimelech about a whale. And so Abimelech simply says, he protests and simply says he knew nothing about it. And clearly Abraham accepts what he has to say, He believed that Abimelech knew nothing about it. And what he does is he's just simply, he makes the covenant. Remember the whole covenant. He, Abimelech came to Abraham about a covenant of security and peace between the two of them. And that's when we see in verse number 27, the sheep and the oxen, these, these things were gifts that Abraham gave to Abimelech for the making of the covenant of security. So that's one part of it. All right. Now we have to deal with the issue about the argument of the whale. It's not an argument between Abraham and Abimelech, but it's still an issue. And what Abraham do- did was he took seven lambs and put them to the side. Those seven lambs, which were different from the other animals that Abraham had gave Abimelech for the covenant, so it took his attention. He asked everybody, he said, what is the meaning? What's the purpose of these additional animals? And Abraham just simply said, it is a payment that this well that, that, that we're talking about today is my well, my servants dug this well. And it's mine. And we're never going to argue about this. Well, again, and so therefore, Abimelech accepted payments. So he took the sheep and the oxen as well as the seven additional uh, ewe lambs, as the scripture said. OK. Now, another thing, too, he calls it Beersheba, Beersheba, which means literally the well of an oath, the well of an oath. Sheba comes. from. So it, it, it basically uh, relates to two root Hebrew words, shavah, meaning seven and shavah, which means oath. Okay, so well of an oath, it means that, and also well of seven. So the, the idea clearly is this well is named by what is taking place. An oath that is being made between Abimelech and Abraham as well as the seven ewe lambs that are given for the payment of the well itself. The well of an oath, the well of seven or Beersheba, Beersheba, as we would say in English. All right. So now let's finish. 33. Abraham planted a tamarisk tree at Beersheba, and there he called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. And Abraham sojourned in the land of the Philistines, for many days. So it ends and talks about Abraham planting a tamarisk tree in Beersheba. And this is basically, all I'm thing is saying is this, by the planting of the tree, notice, remember, you would always see uh, in the previous text that we talked about Abraham, the moving from place to place, the sojourning. But by the planting of a tree, it indicates Abraham is now being more permanently dwelling at a particular place. So Abraham saying, I will stay here. So we see the idea once again of what security and permanence in the land. All right. And there he says, he called on the name of the Lord. That means that Abraham erected a place for public worship. Also, we also want want to draw your attention to by putting a place of public worship, even there, what? The people who were living in Gerar later who would become the Philistines, Abraham became a witness to the people in whom he was around of the name of the true God. So the point of God for his people, even for Abraham, even for Abraham, is that in choosing out Abraham, even the Jewish people, God would have a witness of himself for the nations. The the Gentiles could learn and know of the true God through Abraham and his descendants. Notice when we went into this whole issue about Abimelech wanting to make a covenant with Abraham. What did he say? He says, I have seen how God favors you, how God is with you in all that you do. So it did indeed get the attention of Obimelech. Again, what is the point that I'm trying to drive? It was the intention of God to use Abraham and his descendants as a light unto the Gentiles. What is Abraham doing? By erecting this public worship, And Abraham called, that's what it means when it says he called on the name of the Lord. He erected a public worship where all the people of the Philistines, Gerah, would be able to see Abraham, the worship of the one true God. He would do what God has sent him to do. All right, guys. Thanks for joining me on that one. Catch you next time as we talk about the testing of Abraham. Have you subscribed yet? What are you waiting for? Subscribe now.